Welcome back to Aliyah Yami. Today we're going to be learning Bo Revi, the fourth Aliyah in Parshas Bo. The topic of our Aliyah is the last plague in the first month. Our Aliyah is a little longer, 27 Sokim, running from Perak Yudav, Pasuk Dalet to Perak Yudbez, Pasuk Chav. Let's take a look at the overview of the Aliyah and then we'll delve into some deeper points to ponder. So we now are in the, still in the middle of the conversation. Moshe Rabbeinu tells, is, it tells Parakachatza Salala and Yotzeb And around midnight, I'm going to go out of, uh, of all of Egypt. And at that point in time, all the, um, the, the firstborns are going to die from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn of the um, of this maidservant um, who's, who's working in, um, by the millstone. Um, even the firstborns of the animals are going to die. And there's going to be this crying out in the land of Egypt, which never before will ever ha- has happened. And while this is happening, in the, there'll be peace in the camp of Israel. There won't even, not even a, not so much as a dog will bark. Everything will be quiet and peaceful. And you will then come to me, you'll bow down to us, and you will, and you will, and you will send us out. Paro, at this point in time, he left Paro in anger. So um, this clearly obviously must have happened before Paro chased him out as well. This, this conversation must have happened, a little, have happened a little earlier, as we discussed in the last Aliyah. Um, Hashem then says to, 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 to Moshe that he's not going to listen to you, and the reason this is going to be is in order for me to be able to do all my miracles and signs um, as I wanted, and that's what Hashem does. Pharaoh refuses to send them, and this is now the ensues the last of the Makos. But before that happens, we hear that the, we hear the first national mitzvah given to the nation of Israel. And that is the beginning of Perigud Beis, where we hear, This month is going to be the first of all the months of the year to you. And so they're told that on the 10th of the month, what they're supposed to do is take a Selabais, to take a um, a lamb for every house household, and um, they are going to, if they, let's say, a house cannot get it, then they, they will grab a, 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 their neighbors and be part of their group so that they will also um, be part of a group or with a seh. And this has to be a, a one-year-old seh, a one-year-old, um, whether it be a goat or a sheep. And they are supposed to keep it um, for four days until the 14th of the month. And at that point in time, all of Israel will sacrifice this goat. And they are to take, they are to take the blood of the goat and put it on the two of the door, door posts and on the door frame so that they will be able to eat the roasted meat um, of this lamb or this goat um, on matzos and merorim, on these leavened breads, the unleavened breads and bitter herbs. Um, and we hear a few rules about this. It cannot be cooked, this, this, this meat. It cannot be lightly seared. It has to be roasted and nothing is allowed to be left over from it till the morning. And it has to be eaten in a state of sort of preparation uh, as because of the chipazon, because of the rush. And this um, this blood is going to be as a protecting agent because of the danger, the mashchis, the destruction which is ensuing in the streets around them. And this will be the way they're going to um, celebrate this. And um, we also hear now about commands about not eating chametz, leavened bread, um, in the future and guarding to make sure that all um, all consumed grain products are unleavened as well. And the commands for the future Pesach are part of our Aliyah, seven days of Pesach, and not being eat, not eating any leaven, which seems to be repeated now and times in different permutations, in different types of mitzvahs surrounding it as well. So a few points to ponder. Why is Moshe Rabbeinu um, describing this whole experience as around midnight? Why is it around midnight? So Rashi says means, means that's just the way of describing midnight uh, linguistically. 
Another possibility he suggests is that Moshe Rabbeinu was being intentionally vague because the Chartzomim, the sorcerers, would suggest that Moshe Rabbeinu was false if it was not precisely Abinah. Now you have to think about that for a second. Because, you know, in those days they did not have digital watches. They were using sundials, and sundials only really operate in the middle of the day. So that means to say, in their calculations from their day hours, they would have made a mistake. And the mistake, let's say, can't be so terrible. It must be, you know, a few minutes here or there. So imagine that all the firstborns in Egypt died according to their calculations at 12, you know, 12.05, if you would say, a 12-hour now from 6 to 6. And so it's just after midnight, after that midnight, and they, they would say, oh, well, Moshe was wrong. You have to imagine just how twisted the minds were of these Egyptians to make such an argument in the first place, but Moshe Rabbeinu is even avoiding that level of twisted rationalization which he could perhaps encounter. Another question to ask is, why is the last plague of Ma- the Makos Bechoros the capstone plague? Why is this the one that, that's chosen? So the first thing is, if you go back to Parshas Shmos, you remember that Hashem told Moshe before this all started that this would be the capstone plague. And the reason is because B'ni Bechori Yisrael, my firstborn, is Israel. And therefore, I'm going to show you, if you're going to afflict my firstborn, my special child, says Hashem, I'm going to afflict your special child. So it's a measure for measure experience as well. Another expression is, is that this is the way that's going to affect every single Egyptian. There's not a single household, as we're going to see, that is going to be unaffected by this plague. So it's a way which reaches down to the entire culture, not just simply a rap on the knuckles for the leadership or for the economy. Um, and the second, uh, there's another idea here, a third idea, which is the Orachama Kodesh. This is a remarkable idea, and that is that he explains that um, as Golos, as exile is ending, there's a certain level of Kedusha found even in, the, in, in what's called Nitzotzots, which are these like sparks of light, which are found even in the deepest of darkest places called Klippos. The, these, these shells, these, these uh, um, vacuous areas um, in, in a complicated society. When Hashem was actually saving the nation of Israel, what was happening was is He was drawing out the energy, the spiritual energy of life from Egypt at that same point in time which left those, the, the power, so to speak, the power in Egypt evacu- um, evacuated of their energy and their power, which the resulting force was their death. But that ultimately was a reflection of this, this, of this, um, of this process of redemption more than it was necessarily just killing them as well. Now, a few basic questions. Why the firstborn slaves were killed? Why were the Egyptian firstborn slaves were killed? Rashi says because they themselves afflicted the, the Hebrews, which means to say you can imagine that the Hebrews were so low down in the totem pole that they were being afflicted by the slaves themselves. Why the firstborn animals? Rashi explains because they were served. They served animals, so Hashem was killing their, their gods as well. Um, as we see later on, um, that Hashem says that Kodesh um, Baruch Hu destroys their gods. We see a few examples of it later on as well. Now, the most important question really on earlier, which is the focus, is what is the significance of the first national mitzvah? This mitzvah of HaKadosh HaZalachim has two components. One is is um, is when we count the months from and also Ibor HaKadosh and perhaps even Ibor HaShana according to the, the Sefer HaChinach, which means ensuring that, the, that, that we have um, the right amount of days per month because the, the lunar cycle is 29 and a half days and ensuring that we match the solar and lunar calendars as well. Why is this the best mitzvah for first? Isn't you know, belief in God, Mikirah Shashem, Shabbos, something more you know, relevant um, for the first national mitzvah? So it is important to understand, Rav Saratskin makes this point, um, which is that 
if you think about it, the world has been created now, it's already 2,000 years since creation, and, and, and the, the world's kind of been working and doing, and, but the, the, there's never been a why yet. There's never been a, a why. It's almost as if um, the creation which occurred in Tishrei was uh, sort of the, where, what started the world off, that was the what, but for what purpose? Why, why are we here? What are we doing? Time only gained relevance and only gained direction at this point in time later on in creation. This was the, the why, where time, when you can control time and understand your place in it, that actually you validate with a why what the what is itself. Rashi takes us one step further as well, um, is the idea that if you look at Yom Hashishi in creation, Rashi says it's waiting for the time of the revelation of Sinai, it'll be later on, because until we could have the Torah, until we receive the Torah, the purpose, the why of the world had not yet been validated as well. Um, so being able to take this world and make days on it, make them holy days, make them days of convocation, mo'adim, of times where we invite Hashem in, until such a point, then there is no why in the creation and it's not worth existing until that we've reached that point as well. Thomas Carlyle would say, a man without purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a waif, a nothing, a no man. Have a purpose in life and having it, throw your such strength of mind and muscle into your work as God has given you. That quotation. Another, another perspective of this, of course, is that the, the Ramban explains that this is a revolution in the way we look at time because time, in fact, was counted from creation. The months were dated back to creation. This is a restart of the calendar cycle, which means that they are now going to be called, the months are going to be called Chodesh Rishon, Chodesh Sheni, Chodesh Shlishi, till the exodus from the month of what we call Nisan today, which means say Hashem is reorienting our focus of time around the exodus experience itself, which is what's happening here. The Ramban then goes on to say that every exile that we come out of, we bring with it, the, so to speak, our experience of time with it. So when we left Egypt, we started counting Chodesh Rishon, Chodesh Sheni, Chodesh Shlishi from Exodus. But when we left Babylon, we took the names of the months from Babylon itself, which is why we have um, the months we call Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, which are, in fact, Babylonian exper exper um, expressions um, and uh, reflect the latest exile that we had went through then. Um, another another point of another question you can ask us is why are all this there's so many mitzvahs which relate to Pesach, Korban Pesach, Chometz, Matzah. In fact, if you look at the the, the there's there's Bal Yeroi, there's Bal Yemotz, You can't see, you can't have Chometz, you can't. You have to destroy Chometz, Tashbisel. You you have to you cannot eat Chometz. You can't eat a mixture of Chometz. There's so many mitzvahs around Chometz and Matzah and Korban Pesach. Why so many minutia? And Sefer Chinuch writes as the, the, the Sefer Chinuch is actually a letter written from a father to a son at the time of his Bar Mitzvah, uh, summarizing the 613 mitzvahs, and he explains that the reason is is because that in order to be able to, he's trying to explain to his son who's becoming a teenager the importance of actions and repeated actions. And he says that if you want to be able to change your emotions and change the way you think and feel about something, you need to keep doing it. Essentially, 800 years ago, talking about behavioral psychology, just keep repeating something in order to be able to feel that something as well. And that's why he says to his son, on the flip side, if you think you can go to bars on Motzei Shabbos and hang out with the wrong people and it doesn't have an impact, don't underestimate the power of actions as well. And that's why the Torah goes to such minutia with all these different details. Another question over here is why the four-day wait for the Korban Pesach? Why is they have to take this lamb, this goat, and put it in their bedroom for these four days and then shecht it, then slaughter it? So Rashi says because they were naked of all mitzvahs. They did not have any mitzvahs. Hashem gave them two sacrifices to make. One was bris milah, 
One is a circumcision, and the other one is Korban Pesach, both bloods. And in fact, putting the blood on the doorpost is, is, is a sign of the mitzvah that they had done, which would protect them, because they had no mitzvahs. They were so culturally barren at this point in time from anything um, what we call um, Jewish today. Um, so this actually is in, interesting in terms of why they would keep the, this lamb because this, the brismita we understand is a, a certain degree of physical and, and, pa- and suffering and pain. But what's the sacrifice that's involved when it comes to the Koran Pesach? The answer is, is that the Egyptians served these animals. In fact, recently, just a few years ago, I read an article in the New York Times, which was about a mob attack um, in India, where a, a group of a thousand men um, in India, uh, Hindus, um, found a cow which they thought had been killed um, in a particular village in Bizarre, India. And they went and they went to a house of, uh, of a Muslim, and his name was Muhammad Ikhlaq, and they, they lynched him right there, and they killed him and cra- crushed the skull of his son, because they thought the cow, that they, they, without any evidence, they thought that this person was in, responsible for the killing of their cow, which was their, um, their deity. And you can imagine that if the Israelites, who are a minority in Egypt, were taking lambs and tying them to the beds, telling people that they're going to sacrifice them in four days, this was essentially a death warrant for the Israelites. The amount of sacrifice necessary to do this is something which is almost unimaginable, which is the zchus of the mitzvah, which protects them as well. Finally, one last question this Aliyah is, what's this aversion to chametz? Why is there so much focus on the unleavened bread? So Rashi explains that... Um, and well, there's many different explanations, but one explanation is that the, this is the bread of affliction. So we're supposed to remember the bread of affliction, but others, as we get towards the end of the, the, this parak, we're also going to see that it's also the bread of, of, free, um, of freedom, not just slavery, but running out without time for it to rise. So remember both of those when commemorating um, Pesach. However, there's more to it than that. There's many other symbols, symbolisms of it. The Maral in Vurus Hashem explains that the idea of Lechem Oni, of this poor man's bread, is not just poor man's bread, but simple bread. Poor man means poor is in simple in ideas, which means that all it has is flour and water and not even time, no eggs, no, um, no spices, no cinnamon, no sugar, no nothing else, because it's simplicity. And to be free is being simple, not having all these extra additions in our lives, which we have to um, quite care for and think about. Less complexity is real freedom, which is why the focus on this. With this, we close this Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and